Welcome to the January 3rd edition of the PFF Forecast. Um, it's going to be a long one today. We're going to read through NFL contracts, identify every incentive. So buckle up. You think War and Peace was long. This is going to be something special. Um, if we get to it, we'll talk injuries, uh, SGPs as usual, locks of the week. Um, it's going to be a great show. Let's rock. Week 18, normally not a lot to play for. We were talking before the podcast. It feels like there are a few more meaningful games. And actually, Brad, as we were looking on uh, on Monday, kind of tough to like find a ton of uh, totally meaningless games. Um, that and the incentives. So every year there are players that have in their contracts, certain incentives that unlock a sizable portion of cash. Um, and they can be accomplished by hitting a certain number. So, Brad, you're the contract wizard. Um, we will uh, we will dig in. So why don't you get us started? Why don't we, we start? We're going to talk through these incentives. It's going to be long. I want you guys to buckle up. If you're joining us live, um, hope you have a drink. Uh, if you're listening to us, maybe put this on 2x speed. Um, cause it's a lot, it's a lot. So I'm sitting down, Brad, the floor is yours. Yeah. Uh, we're going to lose, lose listeners, but with this bit and I love it. I don't think we're in a bit to start a show, but I think it, it's a good play. Yeah. Uh, we're obviously being extremely facetious. I'm reading through the fine print right now. I'm really diving into the weeds of the contracts. The big one to note: if someone does claim Dalvin cook on waivers and he, then I think it's a thousand thirty six rushing yards, mm -hmm. I believe is the benchmark. If he hits it, you never know. They got a nice matchup with whoever, whichever team he lands on. That's the one to keep an eye on is Dalvin Cook hitting that incentive. I, I heard he's got fresh legs. So fresh as legs. <laughs> How fresh do they need to be to get a thousand yards in a single game? Um, yeah. It, you know, the other thing that I was going to ask you about this. So obviously we are, we are joking a little bit. Um, but when they get close, so like say a player's 50 yards off. And he gets 30 yards in the game. Like, are they really going to go into that game with him wanting to get 50 yards that badly? Or will they negotiate some sort of deal, like even pre-flop on what you get for the incentive? Some orgs do that, which I love. Or after the fact, they'll just still pay the player the incentive. It ha it's happened a bunch of times. We'll get tweets about it. Hey, this guy needed to have 1,000 yards. He had 950. The team just paid him the money. Um, they do try, though. They, they, they're Okay, so like we made the joke. There are a few, a very, very few instances where if it's close and, and you know the game, it doesn't matter for that particular team. But here's a good example. Like Even the Niners were trying to prolong Christian McCaffrey's touchdown streak when it was like week 12. I forget what game it was, um, you know, but he's they're up like 30 and he's he's getting like every carry. I thought it was kind of dumb, frankly, in that moment. And I get it. There's a human element. I understand all those things. But like that's a Super Bowl aspiration team. Um, anyway, yeah, they'll, they'll try. They'll feed a guy for a touchdown to get more looks in the red zone or whatever. But if a guy needs like 150 yards, like it's the NFL, like they all they're all getting paid. You're not going to have, you know, some guy go off who ha who averages 30 yards a game. Yeah, no, it's it's a 
it's a very good point. I mean, the the idea that you could come up like 10, 15 yards short after that long, you know, and not get it. But the fact that you would also as a team not like you don't want to be known as the team where a guy gets close and then you don't pay it, right? Because then no one's ever going to want to sign a contract. So like, I don't know, um, feels a little bit overrated. Uh, in all seriousness, are there any that um, you feel are like in any way noteworthy before we move off this incredible topic? I think the only one that's interesting, we talked about a little bit pre-show, there are even ways to poke holes in, you know, this being a great angle, but just D-Hop, just because I think for DeAndre Hopkins, like he chose to go to a team that he at least should have known was going to be way less competitive than all the other suitors. He went there for money um, and he can earn a decent chunk of change with uh, 49 receiving yards, I think is what he needs to get to an incentive. Like you said, honestly, if he has 30 in this game, they're going to pay him at regardless, but I also just like him. We'll get into SGP angles and stuff like that. I, I love the Titans probably too much. And we know that the target share is pretty concentrated there. That's the only one. But like we were talking about, his prop's going to be above that number anyway. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Drew, did you think about alts there? What are your views on that? Not really. I think the only case is, like, if it's live, the Titans are down by a bunch. Uh I would not be surprised for them to kind of feed Hopkins and then we can kind of see the line move below uh, that target benchmark. That's kind of the only place I'd really want to place a bet. I don't think it's kind of meaningful enough before, you know, like the it's, if it was 90 yards, let's say, yeah, I would probably want to bet uh, an alt because like Titans have very little to play for. They might just be feeding Hopkins or just like scheme them an extra target or two. Uh, but given kind of, I imagine this prop's going to open up above the incentive mark. Maybe live would be the only play. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, all right, let's get into some injuries. Uh, week 18 injury roundup. Brad, this is an actually serious segment, so please try and, and take it as such. Yeah, let me lock in here. Uh, quick segment, Jalen Waddle up in the air. Eileen, no. Xavier Howard almost surely not playing uh, in that Buffalo game. That's obviously you know probably the most meaningful game of the week. Uh, and then Christian Kirk had his practice window opened today. I think he could play in the Jaguars game. Not entirely sure, um, but that's obviously massive for them as well. Honestly, besides that, you know, I'm probably ignoring some for games that don't matter, which maybe has prop angles, but that, that's pretty much it. And Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence, yeah, has the shoulder. I think he plays. I'd be shocked if he doesn't, but I, I also I doubt he's 100%. Bradley Chubb obviously is not playing for the Dolphins. Um, not that there was a chance that he played, but notable, um, you know, out there. Uh, we talked about this, um, Judah, on Monday, but I wanted to get your opinion. So the Bills, three-point favorites against your Dolphins. Um, you know, is there is there a reason to make it a full three because the – Bills could actually miss the playoffs if they lose. So it's truly a win and in, lose, you're out in all likelihood for them. Whereas for the Dolphins, if they lose, they're still in the playoffs. Like, are you as, what is your view on that, uh, on that number? Yeah, I think this number has to be, you have to price this game as if it were week 12 or week six or week eight. Like the motivations, I don't think matter at all. Like these teams are both very obviously playing to win. There's a meaningful difference between finishing as the two or six, or obviously in the Bills' case, making the playoffs. I don't, I really love the under in this game. That, that's a little, uh, you know, first block of the week proposal, I guess. Um, I think three is too much. Uh, the Bills' offense, I mean, we talked about this last week, I think it's massively overrated. I think their defense is pretty underrated. Hence why I like the under. 
Um, but you can't tell me that there's a four and a half point gap right now between the, the Dolphins and Bills, especially with the current iteration of the Bills offense. Uh, I, I don't, I think the Bills are probably the better team right now and the Dolphins injuries do matter a lot, but it matters a little bit less when uh, the Bills are just going to to run James Cook 20 times and pass, uh, you know, 10% below expectation as they've been doing for the past bunch of weeks. Uh, I think three is probably a little, a little too much. What's the total? 49 and a half. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. I mean, I guess the the Bills defense has been playing a little bit better, right? Uh, of late, um, certainly couldn't be worse than it was at one point earlier this season. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting to kind of track the Bills defense over the last couple of years, which was like the first half of last year, dominant unit. They were generating a ton of quick pressure. Von Miller went down, and this defense really, really went downhill, kind of like middle of the pack to bottom. They started this season on kind of on that same trajectory. Uh, they've gotten a bunch of guys healthy. Russell Douglas has been truly an incredible uh, trade deadline acquisition for them. They're like second best in separation prevented kind of since that deal. Uh, and also the quick pressure rate went from bottom five in the first half of this year to the top five over the last bunch of weeks. And like that has made a meaningful difference. Ironically, I think it's Von Miller's playing less now, which was kind of the Achilles heel last year. Um, but it's a, it's a real coming full circle for this Bills defense. And over the past, by every, you know, fundamental metric you can look at, this Bills defense has been terrific over the last couple of months. And I think that's kind of sticky. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, let's get into some SGPs, as we usually do on Wednesdays. And as you can find on PFF.com and Judah's amazing write-ups, um, we hit the tail angles um, better than anyone else out there. Um, Judah, we're creeping up on the anniversary of a couple of very nice hits by yourself. So we're just warming ourselves up for the playoffs where the money is uh, is going to be made. Um, I see no reason why we shouldn't get it started a little bit early. So um, let's dig into it. What do you have for week 18? Yeah. Uh, first, I would say I really thought we were going to get another Cowboys Bucks wild card round. And I would have been like, this is, this is kind of all too perfect. Uh, a year anniversary of, of the big hit last mm-hmm. year. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to start generally uh, kind of a angle we've been playing all season of just like uncertain quarterbacks, uh, guys who, you know, can accidentally walk into throwing for 250, 275 yards. I think we'll have a lot of those examples this week. I'm thinking guys like Carson Wentz uh, in particular, as you can have, you know, organizations rest guys such that like they diminish the likelihood of winning. But once you actually like start the games and put the players on the field, everyone wants to win, right? Whether it's like the competitive nature of players, fine, but also like everyone wants to get good tape. Like Carson Wentz is playing for his next contract. Uh, that's not as if he's just like, oh, he's going to lay, just going to throw in the towel like the Rams have done organizationally. That's different. Uh He's going to be trying. He's going to be playing, I imagine, against San Francisco backups. Like, how do you price that? We have no intel on, uh, like, how good Carson Wentz is in this offense, what this matchup is going to be like, because, we, frankly, how are the Niners going to play for a quarter? Are they going to play for, you know, three quarters, whatever it might be? I want to take advantage, kind of, I'm, I'm assuming what's going to be just based on the total uh, and based on the wide receivers that the Rams are going to be playing with, a pretty low uh, initial line for Carson Wentz. I imagine something like 275 or, or 250 is going to be like plus 400 or, or plus 650. I'm going to want to be playing those issues. I think that goes not just for Carson Wentz. I think it goes for a lot of these back quarterbacks. Of course, it, it's kind of hard right now because we have 
very few lines available at the moment. But as kind of a global angle, that's one I will most certainly be playing into if just like guys making spot starts uh, who are going to be playing. Right? We saw Matt Flynn have this uh, insane day. Obviously, that's unlikely, but just to kind of illustrate the point, I think we'll have probably three or four of these spots that I'll be interested in. And Carson Wentz right now being the, the main one I'm eyeing. Does LA think they can beat the Niners with Carson Wentz? Is that why they're playing him? Because this is meaningful, right? If they lose this game, the Packers win. They would go to Detroit. Uh, or sorry, they would go to uh, – they ended up playing Detroit, right? Oh, Dallas. So Dallas would be the two – well, hypothetically. So if, if the Rams lose, they go to Dallas. If they win, they go to Detroit. It's – I mean, they're resting Aaron Donald. They're resting a bunch of their guys. It's kind of puzzling to me. Like, what's the uh, win probability of, like, going into Detroit? I don't know. I think the line is probably, like, two and a half, three. It's maybe, like, 40%. That line in Dallas is like, I don't know, five and a half, six. Like, that's probably a 10% expected probability. It's kind of fascinating, but they're resting their guys, uh, which is it's, it's, it's really is fascinating. I mean, they, they've been at the forefront of like, they were the first team to just stop doing preseason, you know, at all. Uh, and I think, and they, you know, there is a randomness and variance and in injuries, but they've had a remarkable injury. I think last year was a little bit of a dip. Um, but otherwise, like, over the last six years or whatever, they're always like, Top ten and you know war adjusted injuries lost and stuff like that. Um, even with you know some some injury prone guys in their careers like a Matthew Stafford for example. Um, I'm just gonna throw in. I just think I love the Wentz angle. I mean Baker Mayfield got to L.A. and played like a week later and put up what two thirty and two I think in that game against the Raiders whatever it was. Wentz has been there for like two months. Uh, like if anyone can can get a you know a game out of him, it's it's Sean McVay. Yeah, yeah, I don't Puka's, think Carson Wentz can be chucking deep balls the entire game. The man is Puka's a playing, by the machine. Way. That's all he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. and Puka's playing because, well, speaking of records, not incentives, but Puka's playing because he's 29 yards away from the uh, rookie receiving yards record. So maybe it's only first half, but he'll have a good receiver for at least a half. No, I my belief here is that they, you know, we can't forget there's the father-son relationship between Shanahan and McVay. And so, you know, perhaps letting letting uh, his son know, hey, look, I'm really not going to play everybody in this game and it's not, you know, I'm going to get guys a few reps. I'm going to take them out. I mean, I can't imagine the Niners are going to see a ton of value in coming out here and and I mean, their biggest the Niners are the most uh, fragile team in the NFL, as crazy as that sounds, and that they rely the most on everyone being healthy. When everyone is healthy, they are a dominant force. When a couple of cracks start to occur, whether it be on the defense or on the most notably on the offense, you know, it's going to be bad news bears. So um, I, my belief is that the Rams don't think the Niners are going to play their guys very long. And even the guys they do play are not going to want to get injured. So I think they think they can win this game and get Stafford some rest. If Stafford happens to get hurt, obviously they're toast. And he's an older guy whose arm, I'm sure, is tired. So they're probably like, look, fresh Stafford plus the chance of us winning plus the chance of Green Bay losing Brad to Brad's Bears are enough like positive reasons. Because can you imagine? I mean, first off, they're going to be – it's not as if there are going to be Rams fans in Detroit. Of course not. But they're going to be Stafford fans in Detroit. And Detroit's defense is a complete disaster. So how you could favor going to Dallas and facing that pass rush 
versus going to Detroit and facing that defense in Matt Stafford's former hometown. It does not, it does not compute to me. I guess I think you nailed it. It's because they know Chicago is going to win. That's all. They just they just right. know that as as a, you know as a lock of the week. That's their lock of the week. Is is Bears, Bears money line. Yeah. yeah, and we'll take that accordingly. All right, Judah, <laughs> where's the next? Yeah, uh, we'll go to uh, you know Brad's Bears. Uh, speak of a quarterback who has a lot to prove. Uh, I think that is Justin Fields uh, going up against a absolutely dreadful Packers defense. I mean, like. We just saw him on Sunday night give up 10 points. Really, it was kind of three uh, after the fumble. Like a week ago, they turned Bryce Young into the MVP. I mean, Bryce Young has been an absolute disaster the entire season. They turned Tommy DeVito, I don't know, it's the week before or two weeks before, turned in his best performance. We actually thought, you know, Tommy Cutlets had something to him. Turns out, I think just the Packers defense is really bad. Uh, and I think this matchup plays in really perfectly to Fields of Strengths, uh, which is one, a very strong kind of run game. Uh, the Bears' run defense has been bad. Joe Barry's entire tenure, and they're also really, really, really struggling to defend explosive plays. Uh, over the last couple of months, they are second to last in the NFL. I think we're going to see kind of the same style offense as we saw the past bunch of weeks with the Bears, which is relying a bunch on the run game and field's legs, while also kind of uh, chucking up a bunch of deep shots that really plays into DJ Moore's hands. I'd also just add that the Packers have started to play a bunch more man coverage in recent weeks, and if we get like seven snaps of like Corey Ballantine versus DJ Moore. Like he's going to be running two to three go routes on those seven routes. He's going to hit on one of those for a huge play. Corey Ballantine's an absolute disaster in our kind of separation prevented metrics. Uh, it doesn't take that much when you have a huge, huge mismatch on the outside in man coverage. He's going to, I think, take advantage of that. Uh, I'm going to like building some parlays around a some combination of the Bears winning Justin Fields to have some success running and Justin Fields to have some, some success passing. And that also is a, a real, you know, anti or, or uncorrelated spot where you'd expect that uh, rush yards and pass yards would cannibalize each other. I think there's room for both, especially if Fields is hitting on the deep passes. I think this is a terrific matchup, obviously has everything to play for. Uh, and I think the Packers are just like mispriced right now, especially for how good the Bears defense is. Kind of another wrinkle to this. Uh, is that like I expect the Bears defense to kind of slow down the Packers offense, uh, leading to, to more play volume than we've seen from Packers opponents who usually like the Packers grind the clock. Very, very slow pace. I think we see plenty of plays for the Bears uh, and really a matchup that plays to Justin Fields' strengths. I can just see it now. I can see it now. The intensity at which the Bears fans are going to be trading that number one pick is going to, we've seen it in the data already, trades in the, PFF mock draft sim are up, not surprisingly. Um, they will continue to skyrocket as Justin Fields plays better and better. What would you put the odds right now? I don't see any out there, but I'm very excited. We had this same prop last year. We talked about it a bunch. Uh, Brad, what are the odds uh, after this game of them trading the pick? That's a good question. I was going to just jump in and say nothing hits better than a Judah absolutely dreadful when he gives you the full-on absolutely <laughs> dreadful. There's nothing better. Uh, I think it's way lower than last year. I really do. I mean, this game does, does have a – it's pretty funny. Like, his perception, it could swing so wildly based on – yeah, yeah, like so dramatically um, based on this game for both outside the building and inside the building – but I still would put it at like, what do you remember what the odds were last year? I, I would still put it at like minus, if I, if I was a book, I would put like minus 150 that they don't trade the pick. Fair. 
there as an opening as an opening line. Although honestly, they probably shouldn't even that those markets. Well, no, actually, no. Keep keep posting those markets, please. Keep posting those markets. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe extend the limits a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, this is I would argue a bigger spot. The Bears are more of a you know perennial just whipping boy for the Packers than the Lions are. This is the same spot as last year. And it's not on Sunday Night Football, so that's a little different. But this is huge. I mean, I feel like the the, the perception of the Lions, I mean, they hung a banner for that win. So, yeah. you know, like, this is huge. Like, Fields comes out and plays. I mean, he all he did was put in, like, a slightly above average performance last week. And people are, are acting like he's a, is a sure, you know, fire Hall of Famer. So, um yeah, I, I totally agree. And I love this angle. Joe Barry, by the way, that shut down Jaron Hall last week. There's no way that he does that two weeks in a row. No chance. <laughs> Zero chance. Uh, okay, where to next? Yeah. Uh, going to the Houston Texans, CJ Stroud and Nico Collins, I guess. Well, first, we can just play the, the Texans and Stroud. Brad, I, I, know, I know you're going to be on board with this one. Uh, at least I think so. Uh, and we've been really wanting to bet on CJ Stroud, well, pretty much every week, but especially in spots when he figures to have a, a clean pocket. Uh, and the Colts pass rush really for the majority of this season has struggled. They are bottom 10 in pressure rate. I think they're sixth worst. Uh, that is equally true over the past bunch of weeks. The Colts have also allowed the ninth highest rate of explosive pass plays, uh, all of which is kind of C.J. Stroud's strength. And I would just kind of make a point of like, yes, the uh, Texans wide receivers are banged up, but I don't know if I mentioned that. I don't think Robert Woods is going to go. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, Noah Brown also, I believe, is banged up. But like the fact that we're talking about Noah Brown as a guy who like is relevant, I think says more about C.J. Stroud than it does the Texans. Like it doesn't really matter uh, his wide receivers, I don't think. Uh, but it does kind of leave a very concentrated target of constant constant i can't speak english leaves a very concentrated target chair for the uh, texans wide receivers and nico collins the colts have played the most man most zone coverage in the nfl where nico collins has a top 10 uh, rate in yards per route run basically any efficiency metric he's going to be top 10 there he's going to see a lot of targets this is a obviously a must-win game the matchup plays exactly to cj shroud's strengths uh, i would just add also as kind of a, a play volume note that uh, also, the Colts, I don't know if this uh, you know, will end up being the case, but they were missing two of their offensive linemen uh, and Quentin Nelson. Right? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they, they practice Ryan Kelly, uh, which also the Texans have the basically second best run defense in the NFL by any metric over the last couple of months. This is a Colts team that does rely on their ground game to kind of set up third and manageables. Uh, the Texans pass rush has come on a bunch as of late. Uh, we can have a bunch of these kind of quick three and out drives. Gardner Minshew uh, in, in third and long. Maybe this is the case for the Texans more generally. But Gardner Minshew on, on third and longs is asking for a recipe for, for turnover, sacks, and trouble. Uh, but I also anticipate a bunch of kind of quick drives with the Texans stopping the run. Colts, you know, run, run, incomplete pass. Uh, plenty of play volume. A great matchup for C.J. Stroud given the lack of a Colts pass rush and their prevalence to allowing explosive plays. Nico Collins is going to be the number one target. He excels in zone coverage. This is, has every makings of a spot for CJ Stroud and the Texans to win big. Nico Collins. Yeah, the Colts also, like, in particular, outside corner is the issue, uh, you know, in their secondary. And then I would just say real quick, yeah, like, 
the injuries, if I, if I don't know a guy's definitively in or out, like I don't say anything, but yeah, Noah Brown and Robert Woods did not practice today. Neither edge rusher for Houston is looking great either, uh, being Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard. I think Anderson for sure plays. I don't know about Greenard. Grenard, I say it different every time. Um, and, and then, yeah, Houston, both Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly they are, are questionable uh, and not practicing right now as well. So a lot of injuries there, but I think – I mean, no, no Texans pass rushers could also get you more volume from the standpoint of a higher scoring game if Steichen schemes some stuff up and get some points there too. So, yeah, you know, I'd love that one. You, you were correct. Yeah. The, I mean, I this is one that I'll, I was going to bring up in our locks of the week uh, with Nico Collins. What Devontae Adams did to them last week, you know, great opportunity for Nico Collins to do something very, very, very similar. Um, you know, he's a guy that is a you know, not just a one trick pony as a receiver. Um, you know, he can, he can do a lot of things and beat you up uh, down the field intermediate as well. Um, I, I personally love this. And I also love that in a diff, this is a playoff game, CJ Stroud, undoubtedly the better quarterback by, I think a large margin over Gardner Minshew. Um, and you always take the better quarterback, uh, in those situations. So big fan of that. Um, any others for you, Judah? Are we moving on? I mean, if you're not betting Blaine Gabbard and Justin Ross, I question whether you have a betting pulse. But, uh, <laughs> that's, that's it for me. Uh, yeah, that's a very fair point. All right, it is time for locks of the week. Um, decent week. Eight, week 18 can be kind of crappy, but uh, I feel like there are some opportunities out here. So, um, Brad, we will start with you. Yeah, definitely still some spots. Uh, I guess you and I didn't do a write-up, but uh, some of our favorites from that week. I'm starting things off with just some spreads. I'm not seeing a ton of markets right now for props, but anyway, it's right in that game. We'll, we'll just stay right there. Um, Houston, I guess now is minus one, so better quarterback is is not getting points. Uh, I think it may have been plus one to start the week, but I mean, it's just not only do I like the matchup for Houston, uh, but the injuries I think are skewing in their favor as well with some of the Colts we talked about. Um, you know, they do get Kenny Moore back in the slot, but like he's not going to be 100 percent healthy. I don't think either. So whoever you are going to get receiver or if you got Dalton Schultz, whatever, I think those guys will will have opportunity. It's not just a Nico Collins play. But the last piece you mentioned, or one of the things Judah mentioned, the, the run defense for Houston has been remarkable. For, for yeah, the last – honestly, if you go by full season, they're still second in rush EPA and a bunch of other metrics. But um, and I just think you're going to have the Colts sitting in a bunch of second and third and longs because they're still going to try to hashtag establish it with, with Jonathan Taylor – um, and I just don't like, the, you know, how, how that's going to play out. And then the game script potentially being a disaster where you're dropping back a bunch. I just, I just don't like how this, this looks for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I think that's would be, you know, my, my first uh, lock proposal as well, but I'll, I'll go with another spread. Uh, that's Lions by, I liked it at three. I still like it at three and a half uh, playing the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, if we like, Go back in time two weeks. This was a game that was played in Minnesota. It kind of closed at two and a half, and uh, I thought probably should have been three, three and a half, but the Lions obviously winning that game. And the only thing we've learned in the past couple of weeks, I think, is that like Lions offense, all of those kind of you know midseason around Thanksgiving time doubts about them are uh, long gone. This is an offense that can score, and Minnesota has just been a bunch of kind of turmoil, I guess, of just like bouncing around quarterbacks. Uh, a defense that had been really, really stout the past bunch of weeks, uh, but has struggled uh, the past couple of weeks. I mean, like, the line just does not, I don't think, make sense, uh, especially given that Detroit is now home. It was a bad price two weeks ago. It's a bad price now. 
Uh, maybe there's like some probability of, and this game opened at five and a half, I believe. There's some probability of like the Lions sitting their guys. But if that were true, we'd also expect the total to go lower. Uh, and the total has not moved. Uh, so I think he was just, I'm going to guess it was just someone betting uh, the Lions that moved the line. And I want to fade that. Uh, this, this, the Lions are by much better than, than you know, two points uh, over the current iteration of this Vikings team. They are playing Nick Mullins, the great Nick Mullins in this game. So, you know, buyer beware. And for the great Jaron Hall. Yeah. Um, by the way, we talked about this uh, a few times, but there was no way Jaron Hall was finishing that game. No chance. Yeah. yeah. Is there is there an SGP angle we skipped on on our favorite new our new bet? I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod, people, but we're addicted to betting SGPs where it's overs on receiving yards and massive uh, alt unders on quarterbacks because we think they're going to get benched. We can't we can't quit it. <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to point this game out, so I'll bring this game up, and I'm curious your guys' opinion because I initially when I look at Steelers Ravens. Um, they're bringing in Tyler Huntley. He's going to play in this game every year. Tyler Huntley comes in and is impressive as hell. Um, at least in his first start, <laughs> um, it, you know, first couple of games, um, this, I expect Huntley to play the whole game. Um, I expect the Ravens actually offense to be not terrible because, um, they've had a decent offense and Tyler Huntley comes in and runs that offense. But on the Steelers side of things, they're playing a backup set of Ravens players on defense. Um, do we see any Kenny Pickett, any Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett switch in this game? Uh, uh, you know, uh, Mason's their guy, 2024 week one starter, Mason Rudolph. <laughs> so the total's at 35 and a half, incredibly low total. Now it's going to be cold. There might be some light snow. Um, I feel like there's fireworks coming in this game. Just throwing it out there. Um, but anyway, so I'll go to my first lock, um, which is not in fact, uh, which is not, in fact, that game. I just looked. There are no published Nico Collins um, props right now, at least that I can find. They have Colts props, no Texas props. Um, but the first one uh, starting on Saturday is Nico Collins uh, receiving yardage overs. I, of course, also like the, the Texans as well, a minus one. But um, let's get Nico Collins on the board there. Um, I, I don't know. Do we have any thoughts on what we think his uh, – I see, I see a 70 and a half yeah. for Nico Collins. Plus 103 is what I'm saying. Over 70. That's, on the, that's on the PFF site, on the player props tool. Okay. Yeah, I just looked on FanDuel. I didn't see anything. I'm sure we can find it. You can find it somewhere out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll start with with uh, Nico. Brad, where are you going to next? Yep. Uh, I love Nico, the play for sure. Um, so this one is not, not at, in any way, shape, or form a one team has something to play for, one team doesn't bet. It is not. Now that Seattle has dropped below a field goal, I, I do like Seattle minus two and a half here. I think this is an overreaction to both games last weekend. Um, first, look, Arizona beat Philadelphia. It's not, I'm not going to say it's a bad win. I'm not going to take away from that. But we know Philadelphia has been reeling for a while. It's being priced, I think, as they just beat a top five team in the NFL. The iteration of the Eagles they beat is not a top five team in the NFL. Um, and then second, Seattle obviously didn't look great against Pittsburgh, but and I know I've mentioned before I do a Steelers podcast and I watch their film every week, which pray for me on that one. Um, I hated that matchup for Seattle against Pittsburgh. You have elite edge rushers, and then you have um, who were literally chasing Geno Smith. He got pressure on sixty three percent of dropbacks in that game, like a preposterous, preposterous number. Um, and then on the flip side. 
Seattle's defense has been struggling, but in particular, you had Deontay Johnson and George Pickens causing problems running after the catch, making Mason Rudolph's, you know, kind of inaccurate passes look better than they were. Um, there were several catches that were like only because of the receiver. So anyway, look at Arizona, probably the worst pass rush in the NFL. Eugenio Smith going to have more time. Abe Lucas is actually healthier now playing. And Phil Haynes, a starting guard from the beginning of the season, got activated off of IR, might play in this game too. And then also, on the flip side, I don't like Seattle's defense, but I think they that Tariq Woolen and those guys, Devin Witherspoon, can handle, unlike George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, I think Michael Wilson, with all due respect, and the other Cardinals receivers, I think they'll be okay. So I just love this matchup. It's not about motivation. It's not about going to the playoffs. It's not about that at all. I think it was a horrendous matchup for Seattle last week, and I think it's a great matchup for Seattle this week. Buying Seattle the bottom of the market. I'm a proponent of. We talked about that a little bit on uh, on Monday. Judah, where are you going to next? Yeah, that also would have been uh, a lock proposal for me. Uh, I'll go to the under 49 and a half. Honestly, I'm fine taking this like under 47 and a half and some alts here in the Buffalo Miami game. I think this is just like the perception of these teams, I think, is very wrong. Uh, but I think this is like you see this game and you say, oh, these are two kind of prolific offenses, uh, mediocre defenses. Like this has all the makings of an over spot. These are both teams who want to run the football, slow games down, actually have better defenses than a, than uh, the market's perception. I think this is especially true of Buffalo, right? We just talked about this. Uh, by kind of every stretch, they've been a top 10, top five unit over the past you know month or two. Uh, the Dolphins have also been really terrific against the run, but I think this really just stems from mainly the same thesis about the the Bills offense, which I've been saying for weeks now of this is like, they're operating like the Falcons North. Uh, they are running way over expected in basically every game since Joe Barry has taken over. They're not getting the ball to Stefan Diggs. They're throwing to their running backs. Uh, it is a totally different offense than the Bills were accustomed to seeing. Now, can that change? Of course, uh, but that's an argument for a futures market, not for this current game. Uh, this market is priced for the Bills and Dolphins week four, but this is not the Bills and Dolphins of week 18. Yeah, I honestly. Oh, I was going to say the Joe Brady, Joe Barry Freudian slip was a, was a great Freudian slip. Go ahead, George. <laughs> uh, when you said the under on that game, I realized I didn't know what it was off the top of my head. I, I would have thought it was like 45, 44 and a half, um, somewhere in that, in that range. 49 and a half feels very rich, especially considering, I mean, you mentioned how good the wide receivers, the cornerbacks for the Bills have been. Rasul Douglas, ninth highest graded uh, corner uh, in the NFL. Um, he's been fantastic. Um, my next one is going actually to Minnesota, Detroit as well, with Nick Mullins back in the helm uh, against this Detroit Lions uh, defense. Justin Jefferson is not going to be denied. Uh, this was one that we loved the last time they played. Um, I don't know what it will be, but it's probably going to be somewhere around like, I don't know, 99, something like that. Um, the guy has had a disappointing season. Uh, I think he's going out uh, on a bang. Um, and so against Cameron Sutton and his 58.2 PFF grade, I have a lot of confidence uh, that, that Justin Jefferson will do just fine. Nick Holmes, Nick Holmes being back in there, he's just going to throw it up for, for JJ all day long. Um, and uh you know, should be an opportunity for him to to potentially set some records. Um, so, yeah, love Justin Jefferson over whatever the hell that number ends up being. 
Yeah, I dig that for sure. Um, last one. I probably shouldn't say it's a lock of the week, but I do love it. You guys know I love it. It's purely narrative, so just ignore me. But Tennessee Titans plus five and a half. I like way too much. Like, I really, really do. I mean, the Jaguars, yeah, they beat Carolina 26-0 last week. That's that's great. Um, we don't know about T-Law. We don't really know about Christian Kirk yet. But whether it, if everyone does play, he's going to have an injured throwing shoulder with a knee that still is 100% and a concussion from like a month ago. Like, he's not close to 100% healthy. Um and it's just, I think it's the last ride for Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Pretty good run defense in Jacksonville, but a, a coverage unit that's been really bad, uh, particularly the second half of the season. You take out the Panthers game, they've been like bottom five in the NFL, second half of the season um, in EPA per drop back. So just like, it's going to be ugly. Maybe they win, but it's just way too many points. This to me screams, one team cares and one team doesn't. And that's just not how the NFL works. Yeah, I love that one. I love it. it <laughs> My last lock is similar to that, but I'll let you go first, Judah. I was just going to say on Brad, like I couldn't agree more there, and I don't think it is just all vibes-based. I think, first off, those like injuries really do matter. It's like one thing if you have a like, rib injury that you got to like toughen out and like you're questionable, you're banged up. It's not like to have a shoulder injury when you're, like, your right arm as a quarterback matters. Like If you have a tiny bit of a velocity dip, that could be all of the difference. I mean, even we saw with Jalen Hurts last year with a shoulder injury, like he was not the same quarterback. Uh, after as he was before like that that does matter and like the market has seemingly added in like two points of like bonus for like the Jaguars trying hard as if the the Titans also aren't going to be playing hard as if these aren't professional athletes who are playing for their jobs and future contracts etc etc I think that spot makes a lot of sense Uh, I'm going to go to I wasn't sure if I like this more as part of a teaser leg or just the money line I think it's just the money line Uh, and that's going to be the Broncos money line uh, I'm seeing some plus 130s. Uh, obviously, you can do some do some line chop and probably get better than that. This is a you could have made the same argument last week uh, talking about the Broncos Chargers game. We're like we clearly source how the market is doing this pricing, where uh, you know the Chargers uh, Broncos game. The Broncos were six point favorites. Russell Wilson is ruled out. It's going to be Jared Siddham. The market moves to three three and a half, and like the market saying, okay, here's a kind of two and a half point difference between Russell Wilson and Jared Siddham. Like I'm going to want to fade that. Uh, I think the gap is probably closer to one, uh, if that. And also something to note, and like now it's actually a little bit less of like coaching my bets, as something I said last week, of anticipating that the Broncos are going to run a more normal offense. That's not like let's hide our quarterback, run the ball 10% over expected, win the turnover battle, let our defense do the work, and actually try to operate an NFL offense and like throwing around neutral rates, et cetera, et cetera. That is what they did last week against the chargers uh and just the, like that strategic advantage i think is worth the one point uh in theory that you would have between russell wilson and jared Stidham. uh i do not see the raiders as a better team than the uh broncos right now even if home field advantage is whatever it is point and a half two points i think the the broncos are probably a point better this line is mispriced i think the broncos should if the raiders are favored it should be by a tick or two uh, I'm just fading this market buying into uh, or fading Russell Wilson and not buying into Jared Sim. Very fair. My last one is for you, Brad. Um, we played this angle last year. We're going to play it again this year. Um, the Chicago Bears are plus three, like the money line as well. Um, this is especially with both teams being young, one team having nothing to lose except playing for each other. And the other team having expectations, I actually think it it 
it's kind of crazy to say, but like, I think it kind of hurts to be playing at home in this situation. Um, like you've just got the expectations of the entire, knowing that people's like next, you know, six months, like lives and dies on how you perform on that field is yeah. a crazy amount of pressure um, to, to be under uh, for a bunch of young guys. I mean, Aaron Rodgers couldn't handle it last year. Um, he'll probably, if he, if he hears this, he'll, he'll say I'm on the Epstein list, but um, you know, so hopefully, hopefully he's not a member of the printing press. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that you could make a very strong argument that um, and I think the line is, is basically saying this, these teams are pretty evenly matched up. Um, the difference is that I have a lot more confidence actually in the bears, not having a complete meltdown on defense. I think that's very possible for the Packers here. I think that the, you know, what DJ Moore has been able to do expose that secondary. Um, yeah. I mean, I, we're basically putting Jordan love and saying, Hey, look, Jordan love, you know, is good enough to go win this game. I think in the right set of circumstances potentially, but um, here I, I'm just, I'm, I need to, need to see it first. Um, so I like the, uh, like the bears getting three. I think their money lines like plus plus one thirty five one one forty. Um, would be a fan uh, of that as well. I think they go in and win outright. Amen. <laughs> All right. Uh, those are the lock uh, of the week options. We have Houston minus one, Detroit minus three and a half, Nico Collins uh, over 70 and a half receiving yards, the Seattle Sea Chickens minus two and a half, minus 115. Buffalo, Miami, under. Uh, is that 47 and a half? I, I took an alt there. You took an alt. Uh, plus 110. Um, Justin Jefferson, over. We don't know what that number is yet. Be something in the 90s, we'd think. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, plus five and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and the Denver Broncos money line. And last but not least, the Chicago Bears, plus three in Green Bay. Fellas, what do we think? I'll just say because Judah said he liked both Houston and Seattle, and then Chicago is my third favorite. Of course it is. Of course it is, Brad. Don't don't put that on me. We faded them the first twelve weeks of the year, or at least I did, and now we're just riding them <laughs> on the bandwagon. Judah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I would have submitted those as a potential lock uh, options, so I, I do like those. I, I would add uh, Nico Collins over seventy and a half here. Uh, yes. just all the matchup factors in addition to the fact that Nico Collins is the dominant wide receiver would suggest this is a, a good line for him. Yeah. The Nico one was the one I would add. I also say, I love the, uh, the buff Miami under, um, I think is a, is a really, um, great pick, uh, and, and Titans plus five and a half, um, is compelling to me as well. I'll throw in a data point for the Titans one uh, tied into Lawrence's injury too. So we can talk about how bad the Titans secondary is, explosive plays, all that stuff. They're the worst defense in the NFL covering out wide by a country mile. But they're actually decent covering guys in the slot, in line, and in, in the backfield. If Lawrence is limited physically in any capacity, like you'd think it would be check downs or throwing up the seams or throwing closer to line of scrimmage and, and not – and like his whole thing too is he throws like phenomenally like – you know, far sideline or at quick out routes. Like it's a big part of what he does. If he can't do it, it actually is a, a legit matchup thing. Um, so yeah, anyway. So let's do, uh, instead of doing both Houston and Nico, um, should we just, just do one of the, the two? 
I, I would kind of lean the prop there since we have some other spreads. Yep. yep. Um, yep. And then uh, we have Seattle, Tennessee, and Chicago. And, and the then, under. I like the alt under too. And the under. Yeah, there it is. Nico Collins over 70 and a half. Seattle minus two and a half, minus 115. Buff Miami under 40. Seven and a half plus one ten. The Titans plus five and a half, and the Chicago Bears plus three. It's a beautiful uh, week eighteen slate. We will be back uh, on Sunday evening. It's an exciting op- uh, time of the year. Obviously, we'll have some playoffs to guess uh, lines on. Be a lot of fun. We also may do the pick four teams if your life depended on it. Uh, one of which has to win the Super Bowl question um, and debate it there once the, the seeds are locked. So we'll see you on Sunday night. Thanks so much for hanging out. We love you all. Peace.